Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. When I took command of the watch, you were stray mongrels. Starving and undisciplined. Now, you're a pack of hounds. Sated and honed for the hunt. My brother's city has fallen into squalor. Crime of every breed has been allowed to thrive. No longer. Beginning tonight, King's Landing will learn to fear the color gold. Welcome into Paradigm. I'm Matt Workman. I'm joined by my friend Joe Goodman. How are you doing, Joe? Man, I am doing much better than I was earlier in the week and over the weekend. I was like, I got just like a mega cold. Uh, it hit me like Friday night. So I, was, I wasn't even on like the virtual watch party on Saturday. I saw. I jumped on for a second. Um, I got into the chat like once or twice, uh, especially like because I was like so far ahead of the of the stream because that is one of the disadvantages of the watch party you're a little bit behind you should still join when we do them um yeah you're behind like you're behind by like 10 seconds and so like whenever something good would happen i'd hop into the chat immediately and be like yes just so everybody would be like what what's gonna happen oh yeah when Um, i when i hopped on i was in the when i was in the press box at the game and i was on my computer and i was like y'all just wait and then it was like a 30 second because i was i I remember that yeah yeah, because that you being at the game, you're you're there in person. It's yeah. you're, you're you're ahead of the TV broadcast, any streaming, and then plus on the watch party, it's a stream of a stream. You know how dumb I am, though. I was at the game, and I saw like something on my phone. Like, um, I've done this before. I've done this or somebody before. like uh, 
Did they see kind of for me? And I was like, oh, something's going to happen. Then I was like, wait, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no one on the internet has seen it before. <laughs> I have. I'm, I'm sitting here. Like, but no, oh. I've, I've 100% had that thought before. Like, oh, did they see something before me? I know. And you feel like an idiot. Like, what? Does my brain work? <laughs> Do I have some kind of, like, disorder that I don't know about? All right, Joe. Um, let's just jump into... A quick recap. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about. I have. I did want to go on a, a Matt Campbell rant because we need to have a conversation about his like histrionics on the sideline. But I'm not going to do that. In the I love it. I love it. I just yeah, but it's sometimes he's childish. Yeah, but I love that. Like I don't know. I respect because there were multiple bad calls in that game against them. I there were. I think there were bad calls against us too. Like, don't come at me. I I think it was kind of like a. I mean, like two touchdowns that shouldn't have been called touchdowns. I, I don't think I, the second one. I'm fine. Everybody's mad about that touchback one. I I thought he recovered it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I did. I I hated that they didn't review the first one. Well, my problem was, I don't think you if you called on the field one way. I don't. I didn't see enough evidence to overturn the call i get that argument it, but like in, when then, i was yeah. watching it real time i was like i in my brain i was like oh that's a touchdown yes. and it, it's i i go back to the for me when it's something that close it's like if it was my team would i want it to happen and i'm like yeah i would so <laughs> in some way i agree like being upset about the the first one calls. i didn't the, the against one, i was like me but I, and I agree with being upset about him. What it is is like his level of upset that he gets, like his like vitriol that he's spewing towards the referees. And then on on I think it was the second one, which was the the very the most egregious call. Um, it was the third one. It was after was the, the third. third okay, it, there were three really bad penalties on there. And but then I think it was like, after the third, where he, you know, he yells at the refs while they mark off the the distance. But then he calls his timeout to just to yell at the rest some more, which I thought is just a bad look. My high school football coach did this once, and I loved it because it was when you're on the field and you feel like the refs are just against you and you see that you're like, okay, because what you're doing there is uh, and and I'm about to say something like to, to tell Iowa State fans to calm down, but. In that situation, what you're doing right there is you're like, you're doing that so your players don't feel the need to. So you're kind of like, it's almost an outlet uh, trying to help prevent your players from getting like a, a personal foul because they argue with the referees. Like that's that's kind of the way that I look at it. Um, now, I will say this. There were multiple bad calls made against Iowa State in that game. Um, two of them were on the first drive. And we scored on a fourth down. And we also converted a fourth down earlier in that drive. I don't want to hear you complain about penalties when you had two opportunities to completely obliterate that drive. No points. You get the ball back. Great field position. Two different times you had the opportunity to do that, and you didn't. If you wanted to win that game, you needed to play better defense, and you needed to play better offense. It was not the referees. So that's that's my say on it. But there, aside from... Bad calls. Um, I mean, I will say this. It it was a bad officiated game. It was. It was not a it was not a good officiated game. I even said like the the um 
the unnecessary roughness call on like our receiver that was running underneath and got knocked down. I tweeted out. I was like, that is like the weakest unnecessary roughness call I've ever seen. I'll take it. That was pure, pure violence. And (laughs) I'd be surprised if charges aren't brought up against the player because he could have killed that poor Baylor player. And I did feel bad about the, the illegal low block call, but as we've seen this year, because that's been called, that's been called like crazy in our games. Didn't we get uh, that called against BYU? Against BYU those? two or three times against BYU in that game, and and so that's clearly that's a point of emphasis call this year, and so they're looking for it. He did not commit the penalty, but he made it look as if he did. So I understand why the flag was thrown. Like yeah. that's what that's the the flavor of the month penalty right now. So if you make it look like it's happening, then they're going to throw the foul on it. To the game itself, um, what was your takeaway from Baylor Iowa State? That the medicine we took in BYU is a very good thing moving forward. We walked, we have this season is going to be defined by how we play on the road. And that BYU game, you know, prepared us for going into a place like Jack Trice. Now, I still think we got the best case scenario early in the year, 11 a.m. Yeah, early. You know, it's in the not day. nighttime. Yeah. It's not cold. It's not when Hunter Deckers and um, and the rest of the new guys that they have plugged in up there uh, feel like they're you know ingrained into the game of college football and are prepared and part of the system and don't feel like the new guys. Like this was this was best case scenario for Baylor, but they walked up into that stadium where we haven't won since 2016. And they were completely unfazed. It was the best game that I had seen from uh, from Blake Shapin. The offensive line looked better than they looked all year long. The defense looked like they knew exactly what they wanted to do. Um, turnovers, sacks, all the things that we were like, man, we want this to happen in the first three games. We, we got to see it happen in a conference game on the road against a very, very good team. Uh, so I was just absolutely just so impressed and it made me feel a whole lot better about the season moving forward. Sure. I thought it was great for, um, it's it Gavin Byers best game so yes. far and dealing with that. That's a, that's a very good defensive line, defensive front, you know, cause they front seven. It's a very good defensive front. Um, and like you said, they played really well to play their best game as a unit this year. And, um, the other Gavin is like a kind of like, Gavin Holmes is setting himself as a go-to receiver. You know, we he's were kind of looking for that guy. He's definitely figuring it out. Uh, it, it's going to take even a couple more games, I think, because he's got he's got to get his feet under him. He's yeah. just had so many injuries, and he's when he still stopped and started. This is the first up. time he's really been able to get like comfortable. He's still the he's still you know like behind Monterey on the depth chart. Um, Monterey's not really playing though because he's, really- he's not playing because he's he's cleared, but he he didn't look 100 percent like he dropped. Oh, no, and that, sure and that drop that he had, I think it was like pretty clear. And then I think from that point on, it was just Gavin was was playing that slot role. But him in the slot, I mean, you can see how dangerous uh, he can be in the slot. So it's um it's good to see, especially his history. I just want to see him succeed. And the beauty of it is. You, you always want to have a guy where you can just say it's third and yeah. seven. Third I know and, I can find this guy. And it's a, 
Yeah, like, I need someone to. Yeah, like that I can was throw up a 50-50 shot, and it's we have a better than fifty-fifty shot at catching it. That kind of thing. Yeah. We don't have that. Like it used to be Sneed before he transferred. You know, that was kind of like twenty. Yeah, or Taekwon even. Yeah. You know, Taekwon. You know, hey, Taekwon can run faster than anybody. Just throw it out there; he'll run yeah. underneath it. And I think talking about like those 50 50 balls how presley showed that he you know he jumped made that catch or he jumped up mm-hmm. and got his foot down if he can continue that to be that guy where i'm gonna we're gonna throw it down the sideline you're gonna we're gonna throw it up i need you to go up and get it but what we do have is and when this offense gets into a rhythm and that's what we saw multiple times on the successful drives in Ames. when we get into a rhythm the defense can't key on anybody because we don't have the alpha right it was, um, I think, yeah. Texas State. We had eleven different people catch a catch a ball, and, or it might have been ten. And this game was eleven. But we've had double digit receivers um, the last two games that we've played. They are spreading the ball out. There's not a single person that you can look at. You know, we've got both Sims and Dabney catching the ball from the tight end position. It Josh Cameron involved in this game. Um, we, I don't even think we saw Armani Winfield go out there in this game, too. So that's another receiver that you can throw out there on the field. Yeah. Um, we're seeing consistently the leading receiver is, is Gavin Holmes with like three catches for, you know, 70 to 90 yards, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I think he had 92 or something like that. And then, so that's a good thing, in my opinion, for if you can get into those rhythm drives. Um, there's not a, there's not anybody where the defense says, well, if we take this guy away, it hurts the offense. There's no, our offense, it's just somebody's going to be there. Yeah. And our, our running game, you know, I would say did a great job. You know, I think we had over, a, you know, maybe just over a hundred or it was like 120 something total yards. Um, Richard Reese still looks like the, the guy. Oh, absolutely. He got 21 carries. The next closest was Squirrel with 10. Uh, and I think that's Reese, what you're going to see. You're, I mean, that's how it's going to be, where he'll probably get the, you know, the line share of the carries. And you're going to get, you know, Squirrel's going to get his 10 to 15 touches. I think I think when Tamek Williams comes back, he will have the opportunity to, to, like, get some carries again. But Richard Reese, it won't surprise me if he's, like, he's still the number one through the rest of the year. I think at this point he's he's shown what he can do and that he's he's earned that spot. One downside with him, though, and I have seen some people talk about this on Twitter, is his involvement in the passing game because he's not yeah. a great blocker. And so Quaylen Jones came in a lot against Iowa State on passing downs just to be in there as an extra blocker. And you could tell, like, okay, they're good. This is a exactly. So you can't moving forward. You can't you can't telegraph that. So they're going to need to work, work with him. And he's not huge. You know, Quaylen's no. a guy that can put his body on somebody and, and make a block. Richard yeah, Reese yeah. isn't a big guy. He made uh, one block. I think it was on I was Travis Roder when he does his like Sunday breakdown, he had a, a clip and Quaylen just obliterated a guy. <laughs> and it was like, a, you know, it was like a, a positive play as a pass play for, for Blake. Um, and I agree with you, like Blake, obviously this was his best game. And it's it's kind of a, a pattern or with him, what you need to do is get him some success early and he gets comfortable and confident and then he continues to play that way. That's kind of like the, the Big 12 championship game is the same thing. You know, he got off there and was got comfortable early and then we just kept on slinging it. 
Yeah, he's he's a rhythm quarter, and this is a rhythm offense. When the running game gets into a rhythm, when the quarterback gets in, it's it's all about getting a first down and keeping keeping it moving downfield, and then taking a shot here and there. But yeah, absolutely. We started that game off. It was something. It was what a uh, eleven play drive that took seven minutes off the clock. I want to say, and then we had another drive that was like a ten play, ninety three yard drive. Um, so that those are the kinds of drives that this offense works best is when it, they're like, we are moving downhill and we're rolling. You're not stopping us. And it takes a rhythm to get into that, both in the running and the passing game. That's what we saw here. And I think that's what we're going to have to see this week too. All right, Joe. So let's, let's put a bow on Iowa state and just run through the uh, last week's big 12 action. Thank you for the bridge. We own the bridge now. Um, yeah. We'll take good care of it. You can try to get it back next year, but I, I don't think you will. No. So Thursday night we had West Virginia taking on Virginia Tech. And basically this whole slate of games was how Matt was wrong on his picks. But we'll, we'll just start with West Virginia completely taking care of and dominating Virginia Tech, who uh, by all appearances isn't a good team. Um, I don't 30, think you, and I, you or I got a single game right except for the Baylor game. Which I'll live with every single week. Yeah, I think you and I got every single game wrong. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone <laughs> I picked, it, it was incorrect. Every single Yeah, because we both were, we were both confident that Virginia Tech was going to win that game. Yeah. And they didn't. They, they didn't. got beat they, up. They look horrible. I mean, that was, I watched a lot yeah, of that they, game. They look great for the first because it was 20 like 20 minutes. Yeah. But then their offense just looks absolutely horrible. Not and not right. that West Virginia looked great. I mean, watching that game was rough. Yeah, it was almost like Virginia Tech's defense came out and came ready to play and they could have stopped West Virginia, but after the offense just did nothing, yeah. the defense was like, "Well, there's there's just no point." They kind of quit. Yeah. So then on Saturday, um, we had uh, several 11 a.m. games. TCU topped SMU in the Iron Skillet game, 42 to 34. And um, it it really wasn't – it was way worse than that, and SMU kind of came back. And Yeah, there was some garbage points scored, yeah. I feel like. I feel like that game was way worse than that. Yeah, because I think um, – yeah, because, yeah, TCU went up pretty pretty big. And then SMU came back and got close. And then I think TC may have scored again to kind of just put it out of reach. Yeah. And they ran out of SMU. You and I both time. think SMU straight up to win that game. And they did not. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, and that's a good win for TC. I mean, yeah. I mean, SMU is not a bad team. You know, they're a good, you know, middle of the – probably middle of the pack team. They're probably going to be a top six. They're probably top 60 team. So, I mean – that's a, that's a decent win. Um, speaking of decent wins, Kansas over Duke, thirty-five to twenty-seven. Another game where we we both picked Duke to win, like straight up win the game. I, I know I did. I have picked Kansas to lose every single game so far this year. I think except for Week One when they played, yeah. um, like something yeah. something state. Um, Tennessee I'm, I'm going to continue that when we get to next week's picks. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to pick Kansas to lose every week. And then Texas travels to Lubbock and loses 
to the Red Raiders in overtime, 37 to 34. Another game uh, because of a Bijan Robinson fumble. fumble, their best player. And it's, it was a good strip, though. I mean, just give the, the tech player credit. I mean, I went real quick, Matt. Close your eyes because I'm sure you're probably looking at the box score of the game. Yeah. So close your eyes. How many carries the, the best player in the Big 12 probably is Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. How many carries do you think Steve Sarkeesian gave him in this game? 23. 16. That's, that's egregious. 16 carries. And he still had 103 yards and two touchdowns. I don't understand that. How do you only give that guy the ball 16 times? Especially with your, your starting a backup quarterback. Right. Let's, let's take as much off of the quarterback. Blows my mind. <laughs> anyway, kudos to Tech. They did what needed to be done. They're they're trucking on. Um, they're doing way better than I predicted. I yeah. think I, I thought I had them like going like one and five in this this stretch. And it's 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 amazing, man. The Joey effect. What what he can when he just instills a little belief. Yeah. And then finally, the last game of the night was Kansas State over Oklahoma. Coming off a loss to Tulane. 41 to 34. Now, this one, we I think we both wanted to pick Kansas State. We both said this is the type of game Oklahoma will lose. Yes. But we couldn't, we we just didn't think we couldn't that, pull the trigger. Couldn't it pull was, the trigger. We said, well, well, Kansas State, they'll they'll cover, but Oklahoma's gonna win. And then they did what they did, what they normally do, what Chris Clement's very good at doing, and that's beat Oklahoma. I I absolutely loved that Kansas State released their like you know their post-game cinematic video and it was uh at the beginning of it is there's an OU fan holding a beer that's drunk leaning over the side of the tunnel yelling at the Kansas State guys about to run on the field and he says something along the lines of uh Lincoln ain't here to give up anymore we're back (laughs) oh I know it was just the funniest thing that I have ever seen um to just to heckle literal children before uh they go on the football well not children they're adults but kids yeah young young guys in college before they go play an amateur football game um that's just so funny to me and then you end up losing anyway i know it was uh it was a great special it was a great week if if smu could have done the job and uh arkansas didn't have the oink doink happen um, it would have been a perfect weekend. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was, you know, we kind of said like this could be one of those weekends. And it was almost almost was like a perfect kind of weekend where we all said, look, there's a bunch of interesting games. But it's not there are like marquee games going on, but those are the kind of ones that are m- most fun. And they certainly were. Absolutely. So let's take a look at this week's games. Um, week five. I think this we got is a, a full week. slate. We got a full a slate week. of, uh, you know, everyone's playing conference games now. Yeah, it's we had all a couple, Yeah, had a couple last week that we're still doing non-cons. And then I think also I think um, nobody has a buy. So this is yeah. this is the I, I think the the one week, maybe there's another couple, but this is the first week where all five team or all 10 teams. So there's five total games. All all 10 teams are all playing conference games and nobody's on a buy. All right, so let's just start at the top. Um, Oklahoma travels to TCU at 11 a.m. to take on the Horned Frogs. They are a six and a half point favorite. This game is on ABC. 
do you think there's a hangover from that loss or or will they be more motivated to to put TCU away? I think Kansas State is a better team than TCU. TCU is the last undefeated school in the state of Texas. Now, they've only played three games, um, and their biggest win is against SMU. Uh, Colorado is absolute garbage, and then I'm sure I can't remember who they played other than that. But I would probably um, say Tarleton State's better than Colorado. Oh, yeah, Tarleton State. That's right. Ooh. Um, so TCU kind of untested, um, especially against a school of the caliber of Oklahoma. Um you know, Kansas State had already played Missouri, which Missouri is no world beater or anything, but they're still an SEC school. It's, you know, you at least played against some athletes that were over there. I don't think TCU has much of a shot in this one. They are at home and maybe there's some hangover for Oklahoma there, but I think this will be TCU's first loss of the year. Um, and I think Oklahoma covers wins by a touchdown or more. Yeah, I agree. I think Oklahoma's definitely going to cover. And it probably wins by a couple touchdowns. Okay, fair enough. Um, also at 11 a.m. in the Oklahoma TCU game, that one's on ABC at 11 a.m. Uh, this one is Texas Tech at Kansas State in Manhattan. Also 11 a.m. 11 a.m. on the Big 12 Network or ESPN Plus. Um, Kansas State at home, an eight-point favorite. This it's the battle of the two schools that pulled off upsets after losing the week before. So Texas Tech having beaten Texas, Kansas State having beaten Oklahoma. Who keeps that win streak alive, Matt? Um, to kind of piggyback on what you just talked about, I just think Kansas State's a better football team than Texas Tech. So I'm going to go with the uh, the Wildcats there. Do you think they cover the eight? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think, I think this game is tight. I think Joey will have his guys in the game – but it'll be one of those things where Kansas State's going to lead by like a touchdown, four points, that kind of thing throughout most of the game. And then at the end, it'll end up being about like a, a 10 to a 13 point Kansas State win. So I'm going to take Kansas State to cover two. All right. Um, next is Iowa State. Okay. This is the most interesting game, I think, outside of Baylor, of course. Iowa State traveling to. Lawrence to take on Kansas Jayhawks 2 30 PM ESPN two. Iowa state is a three point road favorite three point road favorite Iowa state at Kansas. This feels with a line like that. This feels like a game from 2013. Yeah. So let me see. Undefeated four and O Kansas undefeated. Now, I don't want to – they've done great. And I'm not going to try to take anything away from Kansas. But I think we can firmly say that this is – they haven't played great teams. They have not. They have not played Even, even Duke, who is undefeated, their defense wasn't good statistically. They did go into Houston and win. They went on the road and won in Houston. No. That's a fraudulent program. and Yeah, but winning on the road in front of like 10,000 people, that's not nothing. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I don't. I'm very impressed with Kansas. Jalen Daniels is a very, yes, very absolutely. good quarterback. Offensively, they 
They do very well. But they haven't played Iowa State. They haven't played a caliber of defense like Iowa State yet. Yeah, this is this this one. So Iowa State's only a three point favorite. I think this game might get ugly. Like I feel this game because Kansas, I think, is riding one of those like, you know what? Yeah, why not us? And they're going to get punched in the mouth by Iowa State. Iowa State's going to get mad because they lost last week. Yeah, they're going to be angry. And And I think like Will McDonald and Xavier Hutchinson and Jarrell Brock and Hunter Deckers, like those guys, those guys, those they can play. Like I I wasn't not impressed by their team last week. I just think Baylor's better. But I think Iowa State's physically, athletically, probably culturally and fundamentally at this point a tier above, if not multiple tiers above Kansas. And I don't know how Kansas will respond when they get punched in the mouth and a game starts feeling like they, they have in years past. Um, and it's easy to kind of lose that belief a little bit. So I could see Iowa state winning this one by like three touchdowns. So a three point favorite. If I was Iowa state, I know Kansas yeah. has been doing well. That's kind of offensive. I agree. Like, I mean, granted, it is on the road, so you're saying it's a neutral site. It, it's a it's a pickup neutral site, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, no. You would be saying it would be a one and a half points. Well, Kansas gets three points for being at home. So what you're saying okay. is like it, it. Really, Iowa State's six points better on a neutral field. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I knew I had that wrong. But yeah, I just I don't know how Iowa or how Kansas will respond when they get when they get actually like defensed against somebody. And if you don't have a stout defense against Iowa state, they're good enough to, to beat you. So yeah, um, it's what's going to happen when the stuff that has been working, isn't working offensively for them. Yeah. Cause their defense isn't good. Right. Yeah. Iowa state's not going good. to score on them. So for sure. And I think, I think Iowa state can stop Kansas from scoring. So I, I think this, this could get, this could actually be an ugly game. And and maybe bring Kansas back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, like I mean, in all honesty, Kansas probably has a win or two left in them. I yeah, which would which would put them in a bowl. A win or two puts them bowl eligible. Yeah, close to it. Two two, wins. Two wins gets them bowl eligible. I think they could win seven games this year. I think that's possible. If Um, if you had walked up to any Kansas fan before the season started and said. Would you take five and seven? What do you think they would say? Anyway, oh, anyway. yeah, in a heartbeat, they would take it. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's uh let's carry on to the latest game, part of the Big 12 this coming week. Um, this is a this is a show me something game between these schools. This is West Virginia heading to Austin, Texas to take on the Texas Longhorns at 6 30 p.m. on Fox Sports One or FS1. Um, both of these schools are two and two. Both of them are 0-1 in Big 12 play. Uh, West Virginia having lost to Kansas a couple of weeks ago. And as we mentioned earlier, Texas lost to Texas Tech. So this is the game of, like, who's going to get pushed to the bottom of the conference and have a long way to go? This could be a season-ending game for either of these teams. So starting off 2-3 and and 0-2 in the Big 12 is inevitable for one of them. Texas is favored by nine and a half points at home. Um, I don't know if Quinn Ewers will be starting in this one, but what do you think, Matt? Do you think Texas can can win it all? Um, and if they can, can they win by 10 points? Um, I think, I don't know, it doesn't matter who starting quarterback is, they're going to win by 10. Okay. 
I just think they're just so much better than West Virginia. Even with what we saw last week, I think they're still, you know, they're going to just out talent West Virginia at some point. Um, even with that win, like you what we said earlier, if if Virginia Tech would have had any semblance of a huff offense early, they probably could have put West Virginia away in the first, like the the, the first quarter. It could have been a, a uphill climb for for the Mountaineers. They just didn't have an offense. I think Texas is going to have that type of offense that we're, we're they'll be able to put them away early. If Texas is not up by more than ten points at halftime, West Virginia will win the game. Yeah, I think that's if you're Texas or if you're a Texas fan, what you want to see is you want to see them jump out and just and, go out there yeah. get. Grab a lead. You do not want this to be within reach in the third quarter. Yeah, jump up. Let it be 21-7 to in the first, you know, 20 minutes of this game. Yeah, get a turnover or two. Do some crazy stuff. You're absolutely right. If this is like, if it's 7-7 and 14-7 and 14-10, you know, that type of thing. It's like, yeah, because last week that, you know, that you jump out. Here's the thing that. You know, Joey kind of mentioned this. If you watch a clip of him afterwards, he was like, he's learned from Dave Aranda and Matt Rule that the Texas culturally are are soft minded, right? So yeah, he said, "I told you said, they were going to break." That, and yeah, they broke. and that's and he knows that from experience from being on that sideline of being on that other side of it and. Either Matt Rule, or even Dave Rand, or whoever said, well, let's keep on playing our game because they're going to break eventually. They're just culturally, they're not to the point where they're not tough minded to where they keep on playing their game. They keep on doing work because that's what Texas Tech did. They kept on playing hard and ended up on the, on the good side of that. But so I think if Texas' only hope is to get out big and to keep that. Because if it starts being chipped away at, it'll be like, oh no, here we go again, and they're they're liable to give up. Absolutely, and I think that's what's going to happen. So I'm going to take West Virginia to win this game straight oh, up. Let me go Texas. back. I didn't, I didn't give you my Iowa State Kansas pick. Oh yeah, your your Iowa State Kansas pick. Go ahead, real quick. Um, so I'm officially. Until they lose, I'm done picking against Kansas. So I'm picking uh, Kansas to win. Okay, you got Kansas to win. I have Iowa State winning big. I'm going to take West Virginia to beat Texas. Um, yeah, and I got Texas. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so we got a couple of mix-ups here. We'll see yeah. next week. Wasn't like last week where it's like we were all wrong. At least someone will be right this time. Yes, yeah, so one of us will be more right than the other. All right, finally, Joe, we got Oklahoma State coming to Waco to take on Baylor. Baylor, what I'm looking at is currently a two-point favorite at home. How do you see this game going? It's a rematch of the Big 12 title game. Yep. Um, we lost to them in the regular season last year in a game that I think I, I don't I can't, I can't tell you if I think we would have won it at home or not. Um, I think we got better game. as the year went. Yeah. If our offense plays offense like we did last week. Just the just the same, just at that level. We are going to win this game by 10 points. Um, I, I have a lot of confidence going into this game after after the last one. Um, 
for me, it feels like when we beat Iowa State last year, when we they came down to Waco, um, it, we were kind of like, okay, we don't we don't quite know who we are yet. At that, I think they were the third game of the year last year because BYU, our third non-con, was later in the season. So I think at that point we'd only played what Texas State on the road, and I can't even remember who who the other non-con game we played was. Um, but we really hadn't played anybody yet. Iowa State comes comes down Texas, to Waco. Texas Southern? Texas Southern. That sounds right. So yeah. we hadn't played anybody. Yeah. They come into town and we smacked them around a little bit. They they almost came back against us, but we held on. We won. And that was like the, okay, we beat a real team. We can do this. And I feel like that's the same thing that happened here where we just went on the road. We snapped their home winning streak. We snapped our losing streak in Ames. Um, and we did it in a fashion that made it look like we were the better team. And Dave Aranda has talked a ton over the last couple of weeks about how he thinks like the biggest problem that they need to solve is just like kind of like belief in yourself. Like, hey, just breathe a little bit, like stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Just go out there and play. You're in this position because we can believe you can do it. All you have to do is believe you can do it. Get rid of the pressure and the anxiety. And I feel like we did that in Ames and winning there. Guys like Shapin, guys like Gavin Holmes, um, the offensive line, um, guys like Bryson Jackson who showed out. That's where you can kind of just like, okay, yeah, you know what? I do belong here. This is what I'm doing. And we can go into this game against Oklahoma State, and I, and I think we, we solidly win. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, I mean, we talked about TCU not playing anybody. Or Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State really has a have soft schedule. Yes, and uh, they are also coming off of a bye, which yeah. some people some people worry about. Uh, but I think it's their their last six years or so. They they have been very hit or miss coming off of bye weeks. And I want to say the last time we beat them at home in Waco, they were coming off of a bye week. So. Mike Gundy, does, he's not like one of those coaches where like, oh, no, you don't want to catch him after a bye. They lose plenty after buys. Well, also, it's like uh, they don't beat Bay- uh, Baylor and Waco either. Like, I can't remember the last time they beat Baylor and Waco. Uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. They absolutely kicked our ass. <laughs> That's 2020. I don't count that year. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, most of the team was sick. It was David Randa's first year, but and they held us to like – a hundred yards or so. it was, yeah, it was no. one of the worst games of the year. We, we weren't playing offense. That's not fair. You can't play half a, half a game. Um, yeah. Like, I think that was like the last game of Larry Fedora's tenure. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I remember that now that's the last game of the season. Yeah. Like you said, half the team was sick and didn't want to be there. Yeah. Nobody, we were, we were, like, were can what, we get two this and over. six? Yeah. And weren't going to a bowl. Weren't, you know, even though everyone go to the bowl, we already decided like Baylor's opting out of everyone gets a bowl game. And yeah, I don't count that. I don't count that year really because it's, it's, it was so like weird. You can't really put it up against 2019 or 2021 because the variables are so off the charts. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, they did, However, they did absolutely blow the doors off of us. <laughs> yes. And, and that set up, you know, their 2021, which they were very successful last year. Um, I just think the difference of the two teams, Baylor playing that BYU game, like you mentioned earlier, and how that kind of prepared them for 
Oklahoma State, and then you have that you go into a tough environment, and you're at this point. I think Oklahoma. I mean, the Iowa State game. You're talking about the one last year that kind of propelled Baylor. I think last week's game is going to be the same. I think it's the Iowa State game again. It's going to do the same thing. Yep. And just getting that going on the road, you know, getting kind of that BYU monkey off your back, going into a hostile environment. Granted, things were like you you mentioned. It was an early early in the season, early kick. So it would kind of even though it was on the road, it wasn't like a night game to where you had they had all day to get fired or up. even a two thirty game. Yeah, correct. A later game to where we have a, an ample amount of time to we're going to get in up into a frenzy as a, as a home crowd. Um, as raucous as they were, even at 11 AM, cause that's, that's how Iowa State does things. But um, having that experience under your belt, you get to come home and you're just more confident and you, and you, you know, you can beat these guys cause you did last year for a championship. Yeah, everybody on this team uh, knows they can win this game, and and they're missing some key pieces of last year. As as is Baylor. Yeah, no Malcolm Rodriguez, no However, Jim Knowles. I think Baylor has equipped itself a little better with their missing pieces than I was. Ohio, Oklahoma State has um, so far. Even being three and zero, they gave up forty four points to Central Michigan, and and it's a gold out. And I, I just saw there's only like a thousand tickets left. So I think it's going to be pretty much sold out. So it's going to be a two. This is a 230 game. So you are going to have an ample part of the day where Baylor crowd is going to be able to get itself worked up into a frenzy for that 230 kick. I am leaving my house at 630 in the morning for a 230 kickoff. So it's a three hour drive to Waco for me. I, I'm, I'm leaving at 630 in the morning to get there at 930. So. For a two thirty um, kickoff, yes, and I, I can tell you right now, like uh, the people I tailgate with, uh, reach out to me on Twitter if you're going to be in Waco and you would like to tailgate with me. You are more than welcome to join us. Um, but uh, so I, I tailgate with Height of Idiocy on Twitter, and um, yes, his tailgate is right next to Max Garner's. So Max GBU. Um, this is Twitter. Max first. Is he going to be there? Yes, this is his Max first game. Yeah, he has missed the non-con. He's had other stuff going on. Um, he was sick for the first game, um, and I don't know what he did for the second game. But this is only the third home game. So, um, but yeah, he was sick against Albany, so he he wasn't he didn't he wasn't able to make it out there. But he Texas has a tailgate. State. Texas State was the other uh, yeah, home Texas, game. Um, he uh, he's going to be out there running his tailgate, which is right next to Nick's, and um. Uh, he's going, he told me he's planning on being out there at nine, if not earlier. So, um, there's going to be some, some partying going on and some, some fun. I think it'll be a, a, a rock, a raucous crowd. The high in Waco, I think right now is 85 degrees. Um, it should be, Oh yeah. It's amazing here right now. Yeah. It's supposed to be like high fifties, low sixties in the morning. Yeah. Uh, when we first get there and start tailgating and then it'll just be in the seventies for most of the time we're out there. Um, and then m- low to mid eighties at kickoff, it's going to be glorious. Um, be the best weather that we've had for a home game all year. Um, so I think, and every, it's a gold out. Everybody's supposed to be wearing yellow. I think they've done a really good job this year promoting it. Um, they're giving away growl towels and touchdown alley that are gold. They're giving away uh, gold pom poms at the game. So there's no excuse for you to not have something gold on on you if you're showing up. 
wear a gold shirt. It doesn't even have to be Baylor branded if you don't own one, but if you're you going go to the game. Go to Walmart, get a gold shirt. That's what I did. So I'll mm-hmm. be sitting in the press box again. I can't wear anything branded. So I literally, I just went online and I bought just a generic gold polo. Um, that way, like, I want, I want to, I want to be a part of the crowd. I want to be a part of it. I don't get to wear Baylor stuff and cheer while I'm at the game because of where I'll be sitting, but I still, you know, they can't stop me from wearing a certain color. Yeah. And it's not like we're, we're not capital J journalists. I mean, let's, let's just be clear about this. This is true. I don't think anybody <laughs> is we, and we're, we're also not put in. No one's going to be like the audacity of Joe Goodman. Wearing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and they don't put us with like the heavy hitter. Well, they do. They put us next to We're, Drake Toll. Um, uh, and we got good seats, you know. Yeah, we do. We I have think a good we Travis, good. Think, Travis, yeah. Travis, Travis Roeder came up to me um, before the Albany game because he had already been up there. And he was like, I saw where they put you guys. I'm going to have to talk to David because I want your, like, he was like, you guys got a great spot. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, so that, like, that's our, uh, all your spot. Yeah, because um, it, yeah, it's the same spot. But yeah, we are right next to Drake, um, so that's always a fun time. And he is, I think, it, this has been established. Like he's the, according to Big Game Boomer, he is the the best follow on Baylor Twitter. I think he has made that list a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, we get to go. sit next to him and Cam Stewart. So yeah. Um, and then Travis is is next to him, I want to say. But yeah, they're down yeah, next to them. Absolutely. And then the guy, there's a guy next to me that wears like a suit. <clears throat> I, he seems he's like much older than me. And he seems like he takes this much more serious than I do. Not that I don't take it serious, but I don't know who he is. I need to look, I need to look at his name, yeah. name plaque next time. Yeah. Maybe he was an this, Albany reporter. Well, this game also will be probably better more full and media wise at least like you may have you may see someone from the athletic there some other like major media publications to so take yeah i wasn't there for the texas state game how, how was the was the press box like the same amount of full as it was for albany or was it there no. more people there uh it seemed like it was less if i was gonna really be honest i was like it seems like less it doesn't surprise state, me because albany was albany. the first game of the year so i feel like people would have like like oh yeah we'll go to the first game of the well, year. like like drake didn't even show up Gotcha. And he does a, a daily Baylor podcast. Yeah. And writes for um, a Sports Illustrated affiliated site. So it's kind of one of those things where people kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion. And like you said, it wasn't the first game. And it was after the BYU game. Yeah. I imagine. And the other part of that is like, I don't think Texas State has like, they don't have random people like you and me doing podcasts about them that would drive the three hours to Waco to go to the game. Like we, like you and I probably would. So I'm, I'm assuming that'll be different oh, yeah. for Oklahoma state. They'll have, they'll have they like, had, they had some people there. Gotcha. But, but it, I, it, I would bet Oklahoma state like will have their own set of media. That's, also, that's it was fun. like super hot. The sun was beaming down on the, the press oh, box. Yeah, it was 11 a.m. game. Like I bounced like a half out of the press box. It was like, cause it was just like, by that point, I was like, I'm going to go sit in the shade with uh, some with Hyde of ASC. We went and I watched the most of the second half with him. So, gotcha. Under the uh, under the shade of the upper deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it'll be a. It'll be interesting to see how many people are there. Like like you said, I think the last I saw there was less than a thousand tickets available. Most of them were 
in a lot of the sections, um, they were singles too. So I don't know how many of them I'll actually get sold. Um, it'll just be like, you know, like random seats, but the majority of the stadium should be there. I, 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 man, I really hope they get to the point where they call it a sellout. Um, this deserves to be a sellout. It's, it's like I said, it's the, it's a rematch of the big 12 title game. Um, and very well could be. Yeah. We, a, we, we need it to be a sellout, but also if, if for whatever reason you can't go, please watch. Cause also I want the ratings to be high as well. In fact, yeah. if you are going to the game, uh, watch it on TV, your phone, leave just your, turn it on, leave your TV <laughs> on at home. On yeah, Fox. <laughs> all day just leave it on fox all day take it back 2 30 p.m yeah you can do it all right so 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 i have baylor winning by 10 did you have baylor winning as well yes okay um i think baylor wins and i'm with you i think it's it's relatively comfortable i mean I taking, baylor- uh, my my prediction for our daily bears on friday i haven't gotten fully to where i'm gonna pick yet but it's gonna be somewhere around like 31 21 i think yeah, and I think I can. I don't think Oklahoma State's seen. I, I know. I don't think I know for a fact they haven't seen a defense like this, or an offense that's going to be as confident coming in as Baylor going to be. Yeah, I they think, haven't faced an offensive line as good as ours. Um, they haven't been tested, as as and Baylor I think is a, a a tested team, home and away, or on two fronts. You know, they've they've been on the road and won and lost hard matchups, but I think. They're just a more confident team, and they know, like I said earlier, you know, and they're pretty confident that they can. Uh, they're not scared of Oklahoma State. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And they don't have they don't have a Xavier Hutchinson, <laughs> so yeah, they don't have or, they don't have a a breakout wide receiver this year either. So I'm yeah, they got um, new guys across the board. Um, I'm I'm fairly confident here. Ten point win, Baylor's taking it. Book it. All right, so. Now that we're done with the uh, the football part of the podcast, done with the sports. Now we're going to let's do it a little differently. I was thinking because we have a couple little nerd things to talk about. You know, normally we would do like a kind of blow by blow recap of House of the Dragon. Let's try to hit kind of like an overarching view because we want to talk about Andor as well. Yes, we do. Okay, let's just say real quick. Um, we have reached the uh, uh, real quick. Also, spoilers for House of the Dragon. If you have not watched the latest episode, um, just letting you know. Uh, essentially, where we're at right now is the child actors who did such an amazing job playing Great Allison Rainera gone, replaced with adults. Um, and basically, like, yeah, like we can just the high level point of where we are right now is Rainera has a couple of kids and just gave birth to another one that are clearly not her husband, Lenor's and that they are clearly, um, I can't remember his first name. One of the strong guys, Harlan. Um, there you go. Uh, head of the city watch. Yes. Um, son and of son. The king, yeah, king. there you go. Son of the hand of the King. Um, he is clearly the father and they seem to be in what I would call a, uh, committed relationship with each other, just outside the bounds of marriage. Um, yeah. and, Lenor kind of does his thing, finds dudes that he likes. Allison hates this, and um, Kristen Cole is an incel who has not gotten over being shot down 10 years prior, so he's actively plotting against her. Um, and that's kind of where we stand right now. Uh, oh, yeah, Damon's, uh, Damon's married to Lenor's sister, um, and they have kids together. She's pregnant. Um, so I think, yeah, that's, like, that's where the chessboard sits. 
Yeah, and I think this is – so I think you probably could have started the – if you wanted to, you could have started the season with this episode and gotten where everyone – all the chess pieces are, right? Yeah, yeah. you would have just needed a little bit of exposition at the beginning yeah. to explain, like, why – things are going on like but you didn't need but i four love episodes or five episodes to they take to five episodes because then we have all this backstory years and years because the way they would time jump to where we understand Kristen cole why what he says what he says it and without exposition um or forced exposition you could really say we everyone knows who's been watching yes his point of view and why he feels the way he does I would say that we are at season one, part two. Yes. That's where like it was. It, we just got done with like season one, part one. It's like almost its own contained story. We've jumped 10 years and now here's part two. We're continuing on off of what we've told you um, in the previous episodes. And uh, regarding the actors, I think it's a, it's a great casting because no, you know, watching five episodes of Millie Alcock play Rhaenyra, and then you see the the new actress come in, the older, more mature actress. But uh, you could totally see the character going, that arc going the way where we see her. When we absolutely, and, okay. So here's what I want to. I want to. This is this is. I want to ask you some questions. This is what I want to get out of, rather than just like what happened in the episode. How do you feel about like? We've talked about how there's no good or bad guys. It's kind of how we felt. Do you feel different about that now? Do you feel like at this point you have a good guy or a bad guy? Yes. I think Rhaenyra, while some of her decision-making you can question, to me, I think her, her plight or her stance is going to be the one I would fall on. Like she's correct. She's right. She, I, I agree she's with name. Like, she's named she has it, the success. She's in an open marriage, but it's a political marriage. And they agreed with it at the beginning. She doesn't seem like she is. um, Not like there's anything wrong with sleeping around, but she, it's not like, it's not like she's out there just like banging all of King's landing. Like, it seems like she's just yeah. in like, a good committed relationship with a person that she loves and loves her just so happens that that guy cannot be her husband. Her husband is cool with it because he can go do whatever yeah. he wants. I've accepted this, this relationship that exists. Yeah. And it could be, I mean, they seem like you said, they seem to be like they are only with each other and they have three children and he seems to care or not. I mean, it's evident he cares for the, the boys. Yeah. And the, and also Lenor cares about them. Like, I, yes. I feel like there is, like, everybody actually wants to be a good parent that's involved here. Because, um, like, I, I mean, like... they carry his name. So, you know, they're Valerians, legally, I guess. Um, so, I mean, he does care for them in the sense that he wants them to be taken care of. Because, and he seems like a genuinely good dude. Yeah, because they do carry his his family name, and they will. Um, the I think the... On the, the bad guy. side of that, I think, and this is in it's clear in the books. Or I think you know Allison's not written as a as a likable character or in the book, and I think you see like she's holding on to this 
you know, offense of when Rhaenyra lied to her 10 years ago and she's carried this with her for a decade. It's not only that. And she so has, I think that colors her. Even this, that's why she looks so ill upon this relationship because she feels like Rhaenyra is not an honest person and she doesn't have the same moral standards that what she, yeah, it's feels that. she feels. It's almost like... um She's she's like one of those people that is uh, like extreme. Like, I cannot believe like you would offend in such a dirty manner. Like, oh, my God. Like she is uh, she yeah. sees Rhaenyra as beneath her. Um, and she's she's almost Karen esque. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like, you know, infinite, like pearl clutching, like always like, oh, my God. everything. Rhaenyra, like, I can't believe she would. Do and the way she thing. talks to her, she's almost like a QAnon person. Like she she has this idea in her mind of what's going to happen. And could it happen? Yes, possibly. But the quite literally, the only people that we have seen openly have an issue with Rhaenyra becoming the queen and being the ruler is the hand of the king or the former hand of the king, Otto Hightower, Allison's dad, explaining it to, uh, to Allison. And then now. Um, the other strong son just kind of like mentioning it, but there doesn't seem to be like any outcry from the people. Rhaenyra gets plenty of respect from like the court. Um, so it's, it's almost like one of these things where I wonder if, if Alicent wasn't setting the things that she's setting in motion, the way that she's doing it and acting the way that she's acting, yeah. if she would have just like let things play out, everything oh. probably would have been fine. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to get worse. Or an Allison. No, like it, it'll be worse. Um, the things that, because you're right. Like she gives that same speech to her son that Otto gave to her about what she would do, what Rhaenyra would do. Right. She's basically saying yeah. like, well, hey, Rhaenyra has to kill you because you're, you're a challenge to her throne. Whereas like, it's Our very kid. clear that Rhaenyra is like, she doesn't, I don't even think she really cares all that much about the throne. And she even offers to like, she basically offers to be like, hey, marry your kid to one of my kids and and then they can serve, then they can rule together. Like, hey, yeah. here you go. Yeah, but she's just still so, she she holds her in such a low regard that right. she would Well, it's because she that. sees her children as being a bastard. Like, yeah. it's less, it, but it's the, here's the thing, it's like, it's the, it, she's a Targaryen. It's her kid. Who cares who the dad is in this situation? Like based off of like the hierarchy of importance, like the father does not matter as much as she's the queen of the realm. She gave birth to the child. Who cares? And then glosses over the fact that her son is masturbating from a window, presumably down on people. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. I didn't actually presume it was on people. I just assumed that was out into nothing. And he just was like, I mean, she was being like a really weird 14 year old, but someone think about the person standing beneath that window down on the ground, minding their own business. I did like that. He's only an asshole to his own brother and not to like his cousins. Yeah. I mean, he's the oldest and, and yeah, I did. I don't know how that dynamic is going to change because yeah, he, you know, basically said, you know, my brother's weird. 
you know, or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't like his brother, but he's cool with his cousins. But who his cousins hates. Well, and, they, and the thing is, they all have dragons too. That's true. And, and his he's the only one. Eamon does, does not have a dragon yet. Um, and, and think about it. I mean, they are all Targaryens. Yes, they are. All those kids are half Targaryen. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I want to see how, because like you're exactly right. Like watching that, I didn't get a Joffrey vibe from Aegon. No, absolutely no uh, Joffrey vibes from Aegon or Aemon. Any of the kids, really. They all seemed like they were pretty well-rounded. They they weren't all nice, but they were all like, okay, fair enough. Like, and I love that their names, like, so like the uh, Rhaenyra's sons are, J- I think it's Jaceris. And, but they go by like Jason Luke. Yes. And then the Lucerus, Lucerus, Jaceris, and then Joffrey. Are the, yeah, are the, the, the latest one is named Joffrey after the night of kisses the uh, meat face um so yeah although it's wild like we got we have a jason already in this a tanner and, i and think now, and now we have a jason a luke yeah a and, jason uh, a luke i'm pretty sure i looked at the cast list uh there's a brett coming up <laughs> um so one last i think major story beat that we we haven't touched on so allison bad um, also, real quick, Kristen Cole, the worst. Hate him. Just um, as, he's just, he is like the character said, or the, the actor said that he's a thug. He's yeah, just, he's he was the, hiding all this with his honor and trying to be, he you know, because he's from, um, he's not from a noble family, so he's from yeah, just a regular old home, family, and he's kind of worked his way up. But he's just he did this just because he's he's not a good dude. Yeah, he's the worst. I don't like him. Um, but I think the the guy that the fans maybe love the most is Damon Targaryen. We get oh, a yeah. look into to yeah. where he is. He is he's married to uh, Lenor's sister. They have uh, two kids already two together. Two daughters. Two, yes. two daughters, and his wife is pregnant with another one on the way. Um, yeah. They are in what I believe to be one of the free cities, um, Pentos, as I think where they are. Yes. Okay, you're correct. And they are offered basically like, hey, you can like have this giant castle, all this mm-hmm. land. Um, all basically, this yeah, all the money that you could ever want. And all you got to do is like bring some dragons and help us fight these dudes in the stepstones. Yeah. Just air support. That's all we need. Yeah, that's all we want. And we'll give you all of this. And Damon's like, this sounds like a cool plan. Like, I like this. Um. I don't have to deal with my brother's drama anymore. No more like yeah. dealing with the, the Game of Thrones. Lane is oh. more like this. I want to go back to Driftmark. Uh, this isn't my home. I, I want tradition. Die. Yeah, she goes, I want to die a dragon rider's death. You know? And which a dragon rider's death, uh, not a great way to go. But I understand. She's, uh, you know, they're old Valyrian blood. So they they believe in that. You know, they're dragon riders just like. Well, she's half Targaryen, so you know she she believes that you know. Yeah, she's half Targaryen. She's half Targaryen too. So, you know, they are they're dragon riders. Um, and she goes out. Literally, well, she in the she glory. clearly cannot give birth, and Damon is given the same option. I, I actually seen. love this part. Yeah, Damon is given the same option that Viserys is given. Like we can cut the baby out, 
or it'll kill the mom or they both die. And Viserys chose to kill his wife and bring the baby out and the baby dies immediately. What does Damon choose? From my reading is like he chooses not to try to save the baby. Um, to the mother, you know, he doesn't want his wife. From what how I read it, like he says no. Yeah, that's how I saw it too. Like he shakes no, I'm head. not going to kill my wife. Like I understand yeah. that she's going to die anyway, but like I'm not going to just like kill her to try to save the baby. And I've 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 listened to some podcasts, and maybe you have too about this episode, and their read of it is the the camera focuses on Lena, who's you know in this painful childbirth, and it focuses on her and kind of intimates that she's overheard this conversation and she that's why she took it upon herself like i'm not gonna let someone else decide my fate yeah i could i'm I can gonna buy that i'm gonna do i'm gonna make my own decisions for myself yep and she does because she does not die through childbirth she uh she walks out onto the beach where her dragon do you know her dragon's name I don't remember off the top of my head. Vagar. Vagar. Okay. She walks out in front of Vagar, who's a big old nasty dragon, um, and basically demands that he burn her to death. I think he's like the, and you can, this is such a great scene because you can see almost like the emotion the in the emotion dragon. in the dragon. Like he doesn't want to do this because they've, because she says like she claimed Vagar. She was, I think she said, 11 um, she may have said older than that she may have said 15 uh and i think in the book she's 11 or 12 when she claims vagar um but you know they you know she's a you know an adult so she's been with this dragon the most of her life and he burns her to death yeah to a crisp and it was I did not expect that. Yeah, I had read about their marriage and I had read that there was like, you know, it's possible that like Damon had caused it. And so I think it's pretty clear, at least in the way that um, HBO is portraying this, that Damon had nothing to do with it. And he actually just it seemed like they were in actually a pretty solid relationship. They seemed to care about each other they seem to be happy in each other's being married to each other and um i didn't get the vibe that damon was all too happy that he lost his wife yeah in the in the books there's the same scenario uh, only she's found she's trying to get to vagar she she doesn't make it gotcha you know, she eventually like bleeds to death basically um but they find her like on the stairs like trying to get to vagar now they changed it to where she does get the Vagar in the show and goes out in flames. So, and they, I think it's good because it gave her the agency, like, you know what? I'm not going to let two men decide my fate. Right. I'm going to make a decision for me. And she wanted to drive and she died of Dragon Rider's death, you know, in flames, Dragon Fire. So, all right. A very good episode. I liked it very I, uh, much. Great episode. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next is the strong family is also dead. They've been murdered, um, by the younger son. Um, yeah. And we have the chess pieces moving now where Damon is single. Rhaenyra has moved to Dragonstone 
Allison seems to have f- firm control over King's Landing as uh, Viserys's death is is declining even more. Um, and it seems as if we are devolving into inevitable conflict. Did you see that? I, I, I missed this completely, but I heard people say, like, he doesn't have an arm. Yes, he's missing an arm. OK. Yeah, so things aren't going great for Viserys. Yeah, he is uh, slowly rotting away. So looks like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> he's just hanging out in his room, playing with his Legos. Yeah, just building his like, you know, Lego Death Star. You know, yeah, that's all it is. Speaking of Death Stars, Matt. Great job. There is a. There's another show that has premiered and we've already got four episodes of it in two weeks. We've yes. got four episodes, um, three episode premiere last week. Disney Plus's own Andor featuring Cassie and Andor from the movie Rogue One as part of the Star Wars universe, um, a, a rebel spy slash assassin slash rogue yes. um, gets his, his own show. What are your initial thoughts of Andor? We're through four episodes now. What, how are you liking it? Um, I think it's the best Star Wars show that's been on Disney Plus. Really? I think you it's like yeah. it, you like it better than Kenobi. Oh yeah, for sure, better than Kenobi. Okay, and and it's 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 a little bit better. I would say not a little bit. It's right up there with Mandalorian. I think it's better than Mandalorian, but. Um, those are probably the top two Star Wars Disney Plus shows. They have done a very good job in four episodes of establishing things fast. And yes, uh, I feel like things are in, in Kenobi. I kept being like, how are they going to close this story? Whereas with uh, Andor so far, I'm like, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. And but also you think like Kenobi was six. This is already been four and and it's going to be what 10 is it's 12 total 12 okay yeah this is this is like eight episodes left it's gonna be man and i'm i'm having fun with it it is i absolutely love the vibe i think the acting is great that's Um, the thing that got me was like i'm watching it and i'm just thinking like god diego luna is such a good actor yeah i'm like in it like this isn't this is they're playing it very serious this isn't a boba fett you know, throwing in your like gags in the. This isn't the Star Wars yeah. Christmas from the eighties. This and this isn't even some of the other Star Wars stuff that we've seen. It takes its even even Kenobi to some extent. You know, it's it's taking itself like we're telling a serious story about the rebellion. Yeah, the Mandalorian is is serious, but there's no Baby Yoda popping up. Yes, and but what I also like to see is you see people not associated with your. Skywalker saga characters like there's not going to be I don't think any way that I can see like you're not going to have cameos from people we know popping in well we already have one in the latest episode we did get true. Mon Mothma. I mean, yeah true 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 spoiler um, alert Mon Mothma is in episode four um, yeah but I think she's gonna she's not I mean when you're telling the story of rebellion she's an integral character that's true, and I, I I would guess like my wife, like for Land- example tonight, I was Lando like, Lando Calrissian like, is not coming. In. You're not gonna yeah, see. I, I said something along the lines like, I was like, oh, that's Mon Mothma, and my wife was like, who's that? And I said, it's the lady in the white robe from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. 
And she goes, oh, like, yeah. I, yeah, I think you have to be kind of our level or close to our level to under to be like, oh, that's Mon Mothma. <laughs> yeah. And I love like what Stellan Skarsgård is doing with his character. Luthen, I think is his name. Yes. Um, where he he's essentially he's a he's a double agent, so to speak, because he has this as we see spoilers for Andor, first four episodes of Andor. Um, he's has this front on Coruscant where the Senate is. He's yeah, he's essentially is. a um an antiquities dealer. But he is that's just a cover because he's fully you know, putting things in place for to to fight the empire. Well, see, I don't even think it's a cover. I think he legitimately is an antiquities dealer and he has gathered enough money and respect for the culture of the galaxy. Um, that's what I think we're going to eventually find out. It's like the empire is trying to like force everything into this like yeah. one way of life. And he finds the beauty and the diversity of the galaxy yeah. and all the different cultures and ways that people live. Um and he spent his life collecting artifacts from all of these different places all over the place. You're absolutely right. Because you've already seen on the first premiere of episodes, you kind of see a, a flashback to Cassie whenever he was a child. You see his planets essentially being like stripped by the Empire. Correct. And mine, he, mine down to nothing. Well, and it's actually not the Empire. If you remember, it's being oh, stripped was, by the Republic. That was the Republic. Yep. And then you see... You know, we have this conversation about how the empire's driven the people who were on this planet where they were on further south, away from their their homes and their settlements and things of that nature. And right. so they used to be two, shepherds and, and yeah, have all yeah. these different like fun settlements everywhere. And then the empire came in, built factories, and forced everybody to go live in like these mega cities. So you see this effect of the empire trying to take over the galaxy and the republic, you know, mining for resources. Yeah, it's it's kind of sh- like there's not really any good guys, but you just don't like the like the empire is just the worst one. But it's it's a reminder that the republic was full of bureaucracy that also wasn't great. Um, but yeah, I I I have I, I like what you said about like the seriousness of this. Like I, there are stakes in everything that's done. You can feel weight in the relationships that he has with people. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments is. Uh, you know, the basically the main conflict of what's happening here is kicked off because he he by accident almost ends up killing a, a pseudo security guard cop it's thing. Like a corporate, yeah, it's like, yeah, a corporate police yeah. man. And he doesn't mean to kill the first one. Um, it's it's by accident. They basically try to jump him and rob him because he gave him a bad look in a strip. Yeah, club. he's getting shaken down by these corporate. Essentially, they're these corpos, you know, they're just the cops. yeah, they're they're, they're corrupt the cops, cops yeah. is, is what they are. They're just not stormtroopers. Um, and knocks one down, hits his head, he dies. So he's forced to kill the other one because there's like he knows there's no way that he's gonna get out of this clean. Like they're gonna blame it on him. Like, so he kills the other cop. Yeah, he and couldn't leave, he couldn't leave a loose end because the guy's saying, like, we'll just walk away. It was an accident, and yeah, you know, he just can't take that. Yeah, he because that yeah, okay, we'll walk in together, and then you walk in, and he's like, Hey, this guy murdered my partner. I caught him. Like, wh- yeah. who are they gonna believe? Um, he had no choice. I even said at the TV, I was like, when they were kind of like had the delay where he was holding the gun to his head, I was like, just shoot him. Like, we all know what's gonna happen here. Um, yeah. yeah. But one of my favorite scenes, like that kind of gave us weight to the relationships in this show, was he goes back home, 
he shows up to um, what is like clearly these guys that are clocking in or out of work for the day, runs into one of them and basically says like, hey, I need you to like my alibi is that I was with you last night and this is what happened. And the guy's immediately like, okay, so like you establish that they've got this relationship where this guy would go out on a limb for him and you don't do it with a bunch of exposition where you're like, oh man, I've known, you know, we've known each other since we were 10 years old. And they give us like this history lesson. Um, I thought that was really wonderful writing to like establish like these guys have a good, strong relationship. Um, There's like this almost kind of like familial feel between the two of them. Um, and that's how they really work to establish the characters in the show. There's not a whole lot of, um, somebody sitting there giving me a history lesson on why I should care about a thing. Um, they do it much more through the actual interactions of the characters. Yeah. And when you have the, um, level of actors like Stellan Skarsgård, Diego Luna, I mean, you're, you're, you're telling everyone like, this is like a serious piece. We're not. We're not messing around here, right? And you can see with the acting, like they they take the material very seriously. Like this is this is like you said, it's a spy drama or it's an action drama, but it's it's very dramatic and the it's intense and the the it's written that way. You can see like I just found myself like I think Diego Luna is such a good actor. I don't know if you ever saw like Narcos Mexico. Yes. On, on Netflix, I did. Yes, and he does. I mean, he's just he, he's so good, in, like everything he's done, and I just think he's doing a great job with um, this character that he like kicked off with Rogue One. Yeah, he he really is. It's 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 stellar. Um, I have I have nothing but positive things to say about Andor. It's 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 been a lot of fun, and another side of it that I've really liked is especially here in Episode Four, we're getting a look at the inside of the empire and how they work without it being um, directly tied to like Darth Vader or without it being this person's actually a spy working for the rebellion. Like we're, we're getting to be in, in meeting rooms with the other side and understand their arrogance. Like there's a great scene where we see a person for the empire, tell somebody in leadership, Hey, I'm noticing like coordinated efforts. I'm noticing like, the same stuff that we have being targeted and it being targeted in the same way. I think we, we might be seeing like the birth of a coordinated rebellion here and you know, the leadership just kind of like scoffs and laughs it off. And it's like, unless you can bring yeah. me hard evidence. But yeah. He and basically says like, that's not your job. Yeah. You have these many sectors to go over. Yep. You, you do your like, and that's, it's the, it's the folly of the empire. And um, yeah, it's something Di- Diego Luna uh, refers to in episode three when he's talking yeah. to Stellan Skarsgård for the first time and he's like how did you steal these things from the Empire and he says um, I just walked right in and did it they're they're so arrogant that they would never believe that someone like me could ever you know walk into one of their places yeah. and steal something that's such a great line delivery he says they're so fat and happy yes. can imagine someone like me being inside their house spitting in their food yeah like it's so good and you really get to see this like kind of believable entry into the rebellion where you've got Stellan Skarsgård where he's clearly kind of like the money behind things and the connection to uh, more political power 
Um, I was fully expecting him to be a senator himself. That's what I thought was going to, yeah. to be the case. Um, he's but not. You literally saw him like getting into character. Yeah, he wears a wig and like his entire demeanor changes and he like stands in front of a mirror and you can tell he like has to like change who he is and get into this persona. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's great. So good. Um, but because, you know, essentially where we're at now is because of killing those two cops, they come after um, Cassie and Andor, Diego Luna's character, um, chase him down. He ends up being saved by Stellan Skarsgård. Um, who reveals to him like I came to where you are because I'm I'm here to specifically recruit you, um, so that we can take the empire down. Um, and that's where we're at is is we're about to see some kind of heist occur. It's yeah. almost reminiscent to me of, of the like, movie Solo. Yeah, absolutely. I got that same feeling. But you know they're gonna steal payroll lists, I guess. Well, that's what he's told, but that's not actually what they're doing. Well, no, they go, then they are, she goes later, she says, like, this is where they have this payroll information. It just happens to be inside of an armory. Yeah, it's inside of it, and they're they're stealing a ship as part of it, too. Yes. Um. So, and that's kind of where you leave it, is, like, it's the plans, you know, it's three days, I think, before they're, they're going to do this This. Heist. Yeah, he's he's been brought into the group. He has had everything explained to him, and he has been told he has to like memorize uh, a handful of things. And he's got till the morning to do it. They're three days away from from pulling off this heist. Um, so it's 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 his first foray into the rebellion. He doesn't yet know really what he's a part of, who he's working with yet. I think this is clearly like a Stellan Skarsgård is like okay, like. If he can do this with us, then then you can kind of let him in. Um, and we will also yeah. see another character, I guess, in the Rebellion leadership as Mon Mothma tells Stellan Skarsgård's character that um, like she, there's somebody that she wants to bring into the circle. Um, my guess is that's Bail Organa. What do you think? Could be. Um, yeah, because he is still a senator at this yes. point. He is still a senator. Um, and in Rogue One, they talk about, like, can you get your Jedi friend to help? Um, and this is, this is what, two years before Rogue One? Because it's this is five years before the Battle of Yavin, which is Return of the Jedi. Um, so this is what we're, where we're at oh, right now is five years before the Return of the Jedi. It could be, though, it could be Saw Gerrera, though, because he is in the trailer. Well, they and they, but they mentioned Sagarera a couple okay. of times in this in this too. I think I don't think Mon Mothma would directly be dealing with Sagarera. I'm guessing it's going to be somebody else that's in power. That's where I, I guessed it's going to be, um, uh, Bail Organa. I think it's another senator. Could be, um, and I think she needs that because she's she mentions that she's she's there's a lot of heat on her. Um, and so I'm thinking that maybe there needs to be somebody else that's involved with this here. So that was where I went with it. We're definitely, yeah, like you said, he's in the trailer. Uh, but we, yeah, we're definitely going to get some Sagarera. I wonder, you know, they focused on the, the, I guess, leadership of these, this, you know, corporate police force and how they officially they've been like fired. Yeah. Um, and the dude goes back home to his mom. I'm, I, I'm wondering if he's going to join the rebellion too out of eight for the empire. Yeah, you either have to join the rebellion 
or the empire, but I think I don't think the empire is kind of an option for him. At this yeah, point. he would have a like because they even mentioned like there's uh you know they have tons of files on the failures of the corporate police, but this one will be like the you know the worst one, and his name is is all over it. So I I, I doubt there's any spot for him in the empire. His only choice may be to be a part of the rebellion, and he would have knowledge of the inner workings of basically a contracted police force that the empire uses. The only other thing I can think of, maybe he, you know, the imperial officer, the female one, uses him in some capacity. Yeah. Because I don't feel like she's going to give up on this, on hunting down this rebel. No, the other thing that I thought of, too, was that he is just so angry and obsessed with catching Cassie and Andor that he goes on, like, bounty hunter mode on his own. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll see. Very impressed. Um I think it's a very good show so far has been excellent. Absolutely stellar. Um, Matt, we promised ourselves we wouldn't go more than an hour and a half. And we're like right there. You're right there. I'm just going to wrap it up with our, our nerd section of saying I got caught up a she hook. It's a very good show. Okay. It's I have not touched show. it yet. I, I, I told you I have Marvel fatigue right now. Yeah. And it's, Although the the news is quite exciting these past uh, day or yeah, so. Yeah, I was going to say I will I don't have too much fatigue to to not go see Deadpool with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine coming back. See, here's the thing. Here's how I got this news. I've been off of Twitter doing work stuff, haven't really been paying attention. So I opened Twitter and um friend of the show, I saw someone tweeted, I think it's Barrett tweeted I've never seen. Deadpool oh yeah, he said I've that. never seen Deadpool. I, I, I did see like, him tweet. That. I thought I thought that's a weird thing to say, you know, just out of nowhere. Like there's no context <laughs> for it. And then, I think Shihan Jiraja, another friend of the show, said I've never seen the X Men movies. I was like, hold up, why are they talking about X Men and Deadpool? So then I just had to do like just a search, and I saw that's when I saw the uh, the announcement. See, I saw it. I saw the Ryan Reynolds announcement video on YouTube six minutes after he posted it just by chance. I had just gotten out of a work meeting and I had like 15, 20 minutes before my next one. So it's one of those situations where it's like I could start working on something, but it's going to take me five minutes to get into it. And then I'm going to like run. I'm going to have to do this call. Like I'm not. And I'm going to be have to like stop in the middle of it. So you end up just like I was like, all right, I'll scroll YouTube for a minute before my next call. And Scroll through and it's just like six minutes ago, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and it said like update on Deadpool three. And I was like, oh, what's this? And so that's when I saw it. I immediately um, I always send Marvel stuff that I see to um, our another friend of the show, Mr. Jeffries um, on Twitter, my buddy Paul. Um, I texted it to him and then I go to my meeting and about 30 minutes later, I check Twitter and I see zoo cat had tweeted it brad brown and he and paul were talking about it i was like i texted it to you what are you doing like you didn't re- respond another, to me. another friend of the show yeah so uh, everybody loves marvel that listens to the bear den um but yeah it's uh yeah. we spent a good I'm chunk stoked. of our podcast talking about marvel and star wars so yeah yeah <laughs> i am uh i am absolutely stoked that that he's coming back i'm i'm I don't care how they do it. If it's like a multiverse thing or like whatever it may be for like how Logan's alive, or if it just turns out that this is like before the events of Logan, they addressed it today. There's, there's an update number two. 
Well, I did see that, but they're just like it's just music over the top. <laughs> well, but yeah, but they do start off saying Logan happens in 2029. Okay, this is not going to have anything to do with that future. And also with with all the like shenanigans with the multiverse that you're you're kind of wading into and most likely jumping headfirst into in these this uh, phase five, um, they, they it won't be it'll be a different variant. You know what I mean? And the other part of this is um, John Krasinski tweeted was tweeting about like, this, is this the one I'm in? So is, like there is some thought that maybe the Fantastic Four would be involved. Interesting. This is interesting. Or. I don't know. Has they have they announced a director for Deadpool three? Because didn't Sean Levy say that yeah, he was not directing it? And I'm maybe just making stuff up at this point. I was just I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe he's directing it. Because he, he said, coming... "Is this the movie we're making?" or something like that. That was his like um, quote tweet. Gotcha. I took that as maybe like Fantastic Four would make an appearance in this because he yeah. was Reed Richards in the in the last Doctor Strange. Movie. Yeah, I, and you could be right. I read it more of like, is he directing Deadpool three? Gotcha. Okay. Which I'd be on board for, honestly. <coughs> There's my my lingering cough yes. from my sickness. Um, but overall, yeah, very very excited about it. Not as excited as I am about beating Oklahoma State this weekend, but as close to that excited as I could be. Absolutely. Well, we have we're right at an hour and a half. This is our we set our deadline. Um, do you have? Anything else for us, Joe? Nothing. Just reach out to me on Twitter at the Joe underscore or the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, if you're going to be in Waco this weekend, uh, I will be there. Like I said, probably starting around. We'll probably start the actual tailgate around 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, go right up until game time. Uh, we will we will have our uh, we will do the ritual as a group there. Um, so <laughs> please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. If you want to come meet up, say hi. Um, have a drink, have some food, um, say hi to all the other folks from Baylor Twitter that'll be there. Um, and if, if you if you aren't already invited, just just tag me on, on Twitter and, and come on by and say hello. We'd be happy to see you and interact with you. Um, but yeah, just excited about that. Matt, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. Um, you can follow the podcast at The Bear Den Pod. And of course, you can find the podcast itself. If you're listening to this, you probably don't know this, but find it on anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and on the website, which is what is the website URL, Joe? Uh thebeardenpod.com. Thebeardenpod.com. That's right. And presumably at some point we'll have other content, I think, on there, but we've been too lazy. It's That's a, really what it is. It's yeah. I was going to say it's a busy time of the year, but the truth is what Joe said. We're just too lazy, but we're making progress. We'll get there. Anyway, that's all I got. Um, One last parting thing I will say is everyone who is going to be in attendance, wear gold. Wear gold. Everyone loves gold. Who cares if people on Twitter say it's yellow? It's gold. To me, it, it doesn't matter what color it is. Just do it. Just be a part of the group. Stand Dude, out on TV. We've done some damage on Twitter, good and bad, over the last week. On the the Baird and Pod Twitter account. Yeah, we've so so that yeah, look forward to that um, continuing. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll have more and more coming off uh, on that account. 
All right, oh. Matt. <laughs> Until as next always, time. Sick and bears. bears. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.